guys. Ladies and gentlemen, we finally did it. <laughs> we got Zach canceled. He's out of here. He's done. All right. Just kidding. He, he's taking care of himself. He's out in the wilderness, wandering around, enjoying nature, disconnected from technology and all that stuff. But this is Freightonomics. Nonetheless, I'm Anthony Smith, Chief Economist here at Freightwaves. And today I have the honor to be joined by the one, the only Tony Mulvey, who does quite a bit of analysis and research here. We're on the same team. We're on the research team. And you're all over the place with analysis. We're doubling up this episode with really a lot of econ heavy focus because yeah. Tony, you're also uh, an economist of sorts, uh, majored in economics, yes. follow a lot of the econ uh, indices as well and do a lot of research for us. Yeah. I mean, econ major, have that econ degree. I wouldn't say economist, but not you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't track it that closely, but I definitely track its earnings season. And that's probably what I track the most uh, yeah. as long as, as well as obviously transportation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so this is Freightonomics, and we have a jam-packed and exciting show for you, as always. I'm going to be looking down from time to time, promise not being that rude, just only a little bit rude. I am going to be monitoring LinkedIn. So if you want to join in on the conversation, send a message to Zach Strickland. I can follow it up with him a little bit later on. Anything you want to jump in, feel free to add some comments down below. I'll be here in the comments checking it sporadically. But with our first step throughout the day. I have Tony here, so I have to take advantage of that. We got to talk about some of these earnings that came through. So we're going to go into our newsonomics segment here. And so, Tony, we're going to jump into the first one that was really interesting that caught my eye, and that's going to be Werner. Yeah, I mean, Werner, I mean, you look at their quarter, right, as a whole, and it doesn't, on the surface, it's pretty good, especially when you start on the surface, it was good. Yeah. Then when you really dig into it, I mean, it, it gets even better because some of their issues that were headwinds in this quarter were insurance related from, you know, I mean, we had stories about it, the nuclear verdicts that Werner was faced with. Guess what? Some of those issues are coming to roost in terms of higher interest, insurance and uh, insurance expenses and those claims. So you're definitely seeing some of that. I mean, you look at it, strong freight rates helped Werner achieve a consecutive quarter of record quarterly or EPS, and then 29% jump in total revenue. I mean, you're talking, those are big increases on a year-over-year basis. I mean, 29%. When you start really thinking about, I mean, you look at what we track in the contract market and the spot market, I mean, rates weren't up, contract rates weren't up 29%. Right. Spot rates were down. Fuel was up that much. But I mean, so they are benefiting from higher fuel surcharges, which is the trend across the board. Yeah, especially with larger operations, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about a little bit on Freightways Now just an hour or so ago about some of the advantages for a lot of uh, larger operators being able to really take advantage of this um, scenario. And so we're going to be flying through some of these new items. And I'm, I'm going to kind of be poking around here while we're on the topic of gas, diesel, things like that. Rachel Premack also had a piece that was put out um, that she said, sorry, diesel prices are likely going to climb again soon, where she brought in John Kingston for a little bit of a cameo there as well. And he mentions that the Europe's uh, natural gas crisis could mean higher diesel prices in the U.S. because we are starting to see a little bit of a downward movement here, but that could be short-lived. Yeah, I mean, you look at the retail diesel price here in the U.S., I mean, you're talking, it's gone from, what, 580 basically to 520. So, I mean, that's a big decline over the course of really a month and some change. I mean, probably five weeks. 
you look at the rack price or that wholesale price, it's come down even faster. The difference is that started to tick up just ever so slightly there at the back half of July or the end last week in July. And I mean, what it shows is, I mean, retailers are making, I mean, if you think about their gap that they have pretty strong, that's kind of their margin, right? What they're buying that and what they're selling at kind of the highest it's ever been. When you think about transportation companies, they benefit from that too, right? They work out contracts with these retail locations and oil companies, they have, they're able to buy at the rack price and, or plus or minus a few cents. They have favorable, especially the enterprise ones where we're seeing in the news, they have those fuel contracts. Guess what? If rising diesel prices, as long as it's, if the retail price rises faster than that wholesale price, it's a good thing for them. Mm. It's where the wholesale price rises and that diesel, the retail price, that's where they can get squeezed a little on that wholesale pro- or on the fuel surcharge. And you can see it kind of in some of our data. I mean, we have that rack to retail spread. You saw back earlier this year, it really got squeezed. Right. And it's because the rack price got driven up faster and earlier than the retail price. And that's the one of those interesting dynamics that we see within freight and transportation, what higher diesel prices mean to some of these larger operations and how it really kind of interplays with each other. Um, the other one that we're going to talk to, at least that I definitely want to get your opinion on, is going to be around yellow. We, we saw in this most recent release, we saw that yellow share soar. Quick tidbit from Mark Solomon. He wrote this article that e- earnings per share triples consists estimates post best quarterly open operating income in 15 years. Yeah. Is that a surprise for you? It was. I mean, the LTL market, we talked about it compared to the truckload market. The LTL market is pretty strong. I mean, you've talked about the industrial economy. It really took a little time to start turning back up. You saw, and when you think about LTL, it's kind of one of the nuances of it. I mean, it is a little more heavily weighted towards that industrial economy. Granted, you are seeing a little slowdown, but Mm. it's not like on the consumer side where these full truckloads carriers are getting hit by retail, uh, where the consumer's really driving a lot of that slowdown in demand. The LTL side didn't really see that necessarily. But I think this one's interesting because you start digging in. Fuel surcharge was another area that they highlighted. But they're also able to increase that revenue per hundred weight pretty significantly. And that's, they're, they're pricing, ultimately pricing their freight a little better than what they were in the past. And guess what? Results show. Exactly right. Results show. And Tony, one of those interesting things with the industrial segment, because we're going to talk about a little bit later on as we kind of get into the more econ-focused part of the show, we did see that there is some slowing down going on upstream, especially when we look at the ISM, PMI, the new orders component. We're starting to see a substantial downward movement here. And this is a little bit of a sneak peek to what we're going to talk to a little bit later on, because what we're seeing right now in that ISM, PMI, um, uh, new orders component is that it's got back-to-back months of downward movement. So the way you read it is that anything below 50 is indicative of contraction. And we've seen back-to-back months of contraction here with the ISM PMI. And that's going to be some, or the new orders component, I should say. And that's going to be something that's going to later on draw down backlogs of orders as well. And so definitely some shakiness being seen um, upstream right now. Uh, the other big topic that we're going to get to before we get into the more econ-focused part of the show, Alan Adler, he wrote another article um, not too long ago about Class 8 orders starting to slump in July despite all this demand that we're hearing about. Yeah, I mean, this one, again, not really a surprise when you start to think about where we kind of are in the cycle, right? Yeah. I mean, 
backlogs were so big, right? But you start looking at some of these fleets, they really haven't grown. I mean, Night Swift being one, hasn't really grown. JB Hunt, another one, didn't really grow. It grew, it looks like it grew, but they grew their owner-operator base, not their actual fleet count. Mm-hmm. So the one that is growing, though, U.S. Express. I mean, you see Variant added, what was it, 200 trucks. I mean, their total fleet was up like 20% year over year. So, I mean, they're one that is growing their fleet. But, I mean, where we are in the cycle, I mean, it's kind of what you would expect, right? We're at the beginning of it, but we've talked about this downward movement. Zach's talked about the softening really started there in March and April. Well, now the lagging indicator, right, would be orders, right? right. Why, would, why would a company go build their fleet out right now when the market's showing signs of softening? And I think that's what's showing up. It took, what, three, four months before they really started to hit the brakes. Hey, maybe we shouldn't order a bunch of Class A trucks. I mean, it doesn't make sense to do it right now into a softening market. And I think that's what ultimately what you're seeing. And, and doing that in a softening market, what kind of kind of push forward to the title of today's show is starting to smell a little 2019-ish right now. Yeah. And that would kind of push us further to that, that situation. Yeah. I mean, if you think about how 28 or 2018 operated, right, you saw the surge in orders, right? Mm-hmm. 2019, you saw the deliveries take place of those. Demand for new orders, for new truck orders, declined in 2019. I mean, you could see it sequentially throughout the months, right? Now, granted, July typically is a little softer when you start to dig in to over the past few years. July is one of those softer months for orders. Really, the peak season in orders is in the back half. I mean, you're looking at October, November, December, that fourth quarter where you see, hey, we need to get these orders placed so we can get them on the books, so we can see, take hold of them the next year. So I think that's that's going to be what's interesting over the next, say, few months is do we see a recovery in these order numbers? But it is starting to feel a little 2019-ish. I mean, yeah. me and Donnie talk about it. You start taking spot rates minus fuel and add in the inflation. Where they were in 2019, adjusted for inflation was like $1.88 in today's terms, and we're at like $1.96. So, I mean, we're talking $0.08 cents a mile on the spot rate. It's not really, it's not that far off. Yeah, and, and I think you and Donnie had a lot of great points throughout um, this morning's carrier update, and it definitely kind of shows a shift happening um, that we're seeing right now in our day. And of course, as you mentioned, we can look at all that stuff happening near real time and sonar, of course. Um, shifting into our next segment here, we're going to get into a little bit more of the econ side. And Tony, I got to know, are we being gaslit? It's It does feel that way. Are we being gaslit right now? So I'm talking about GDP, and um, like I said, we're streaming now on LinkedIn, so Join in on this conversation. Are we in a recession right now? Are you shifting? You're watching at home, at the office, on the the computer, laptop, cell phone. Let me know. Are we shifting into a recession? Are you shifting your definition of recession? What are your thoughts on it? I think we are in one. I mean, I think, I mean, I figured based on our data, kind of what you're seeing on the macro data in terms of what we saw through the second quarter I figure we were going to see a negative GDP number. Mm. I think, I mean, obviously we're not, we're a month into the third quarter. July didn't seem much better. (laughs) And it obviously seemed a little worse on the employment front. I mean, job openings declined pretty rapidly. I mean, they're still elevated, but they showed a pretty significant decline. You're seeing initial jobless claims start to tick up. You're seeing mass layoffs at all these tech companies that 
we're on basically hiring sprees. Well, now that has just gone away. Right. So to me, it shows that we are. And then you start to look into some credit card data. It's starting to get concerning. It's been a concern for me for months mm-hmm. because the trend lines of those were basically vertical, which yeah. it's, if you wanted to look prior to 2019, that trend line, yeah, we were below it. But draw a trend line from where we were once stimulus stopped to now, it's, I mean, it's straight up. And I think that was what was concerned. That's the most concerning thing to me is, are consumers overextending themselves? And now you start raising interest rates. Guess what? Cost of credit, cost of debt as a whole goes up. Yeah. More expensive. And ultimately, it leads to changes in consumer behavior and slowing of consumer spending. And that's kind of what we're seeing. So. And we got a, um, a comment from Ray Ramsey here saying, yes, just yes. Yeah, I, I, and I agree with you because yeah. the classical definition, back-to-back quarters of um, decline in GDP. And one of the things you mentioned, of course, job openings. I think we have a chart of job openings up here. Um, one of the things that we're seeing in job openings is coming down. And like you said, a lot of outlets are going to say that, yeah, you know what, it's still very much elevated, still high, but there's nonetheless decline here. Now at 10.7 million, still very much elevated. I think we're starting to see a huge shift in the conversation, especially around the 9 to 8.5 million uh, job opening mark. Um, one of the things that a lot of folks aren't really concerned about just yet is just because there's so much over demand for labor. Um, a lot of folks can still trade up in jobs if they're maybe overextended potentially to get a second job which I think a lot of folks are doing. We're going to get job openings. I'm sorry, the unemployment rate is going to be released tomorrow morning along with the payrolls number as well. Um, We're looking at initial jobs claims. That's been trending upwards now at 260,000 as of this morning um, from the most recent release. We're also seeing continuing claims increase as well. We can see here on the the initial jobs claims chart that we're starting to see a take up. Now, it's not uh, at the same levels as we saw um, you know, throughout the midst of the early parts of the pandemic, but it is trending up nonetheless. This is going to be an area of concern that you mentioned as well that we're going to have to watch closely. And of course, um, those credit card utilization numbers, that's going to get updated tomorrow morning as well. And that's been going up, not just with revolving credit, but non-revolving as well. We're looking at car notes, things that folks were able to really kind of lock in those big ticket purchases throughout the pandemic. Now that's going to be an issue as well. Um, looking at mortgages, a lot of folks are going to be tied into their homes because they, if they want to sell and downsize potentially, they won't be able to get into a competitive uh, mortgage that they were in, uh, able to do uh, before uh, maybe earlier on in 2022, late 2021. Uh, the other big thing that we have to kind of mention as well, mentioned it earlier, the ISM PMI. Uh, we saw the new orders component uh, tick down for the second month in a row here. This is meaningful. This is uh, going to be the first time we're seeing a contraction in the new orders component in two years. And now that's also showing that there is um, some weakness happening upstream because we're starting to see the backlogs of orders get ticked off as well, coming down as coming down as we speak. And so all that is really going to be kind of uh, a, some headwinds to combat as we move into the second half of 2022. Now, those that say, hey, the job market is strong and that there is going to be a fighting chance. I understand that. But there's just so many other headwinds, I think, that are competing with us right now to really kind of leverage any of that out. But now, shifting from our Econ 101, because you and I can talk Econ all day, I'm sure. And we have to get ready for the man of the hour. And that is the one, the only, Dr. Zach Rogers. Zach, thanks for joining us Hey, guys. You know, I... I was an econ major. I can talk about stuff. You want to do some supply and demand graphs? I'll, I'll move it all over the place. I don't think I can hear 
Dr. Z right now. Oh, I was to say, I don't think I heard him. How about yeah. you hear me now? Hmm. Microphone. Sound better? Come on. We have the good Zach here. We don't have the other guy here. We have the one, the true original Zach. And thank you so much for being here. And of course, if folks aren't familiar with you, for whatever strange reason, you are a professor over at Colorado State University, and you put together one of, I think, the most underrated indices within freight and logistics, and that's going to be the LMI. Yeah. Can you guys hear me now okay? We can. Oh, okay. All right. Great. Do you guys keep changing the tech on me? It's like, <laughs> and I blame this on Strickland. I think he was jealous that he yeah. was going to be gone. I saw it was a new link. The mic, yeah, all right. I, I see through him. So <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about let's talk about the LMI. So this month uh, is a big month in many ways, uh, and the main reason for that is so again, anyone's not familiar with it. Any number above fifty uh, means expansion. Any number under fifty means contraction. This month, for the first time since May and April of 2020, you guys remember May and April of 2020. Transportation prices slipped into contraction officially. Now it's it's a forty nine point five, and so it's right on the edge of you know essentially a steady state, um, but it is technically contraction, and it's the first time, uh, like I said, the first time that we've seen it in more than two years. Um, now, one caveat I I would throw in with that when you're reading the number is, and 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 you, you guys mentioned this earlier how July you know, wasn't much better than Q2. Here's what's funny about July. And, and I'd be interested to see if, if you're seeing this reflected anywhere else. Um, the last week of July. Okay. So July 23rd on essentially. So eight, eight days. Um, and, and, you know, we, we've talked before, we tend to get a lot of our responses uh, at the end, which is kind of by design because we, we want to sort of uh, get, get a good representation of where we are currently. Um, also, I think people just like doing their homework at the last minute. I think that's that's the other reason. Um, if you look at July, the end of July, we actually were eight points higher uh, in the last week of July on, on that transportation price. So we were at like a 46 through the first you know 23 days of July. And then that last eight, we jumped up to a 54. So we actually saw a little bit of growth right at the end. I think that probably is reflective of you know peak season is starting to come around, but it's coming around very slowly. August typically is a little a little faster moving than than July, you know, on a seasonal basis. And so it's I think it's going to be fascinating. You know, okay, big headline obviously, transportation price is negative. It is the bellwether of future economic activity. When transportation price goes down in July, usually retail sales, Dow Jones goes down in in August. But what I think is going to be the really interesting thing to track here is did we hit sort of a bottom? In mid-July, and because, like I said, we're coming back towards peak season again, as you guys mentioned, diesel prices are down like $0.60 cents, uh, per gallon. Could we be seeing, is this, this negative reading going to be the beginning of a trend like what we saw in 2019? I like the title of the show today. Like what we saw in 2019. <laughs> or are we going to see that we're bottoming out right here and coming back up? And I'll just remind you that in our March data, uh, and remember, March is when we started our downward trend. We saw the same exact thing where we had high highs in early March and then a real steep decline in late March. And, and we kind of started going that way. So it's going to be interesting to keep our eyes on transportation price specifically. And you can see it's essentially jumped off a cliff uh, in the last three months. It's going to be interesting to see if we start to see some stabilization or this downward trend continues. 
Yeah, Zach, I, I think you're spot on. And I think we have a graphic uh, for early July versus late July um, that you put together um, for this LMI report. Oh, yep, We're looking at mm-hmm. this this chart. One of the things, of course, you mentioned, of course, uh, transportation prices. Are there any other uh, outliers that kind of jump out, out at you from this month's results? So I, I think um, one of the things that's interesting, inventory levels continues to be very, very high. Uh, still in in the mid six or the high sixties, I think it was sixty eight, and that gives me a little bit of pause. You know, you guys had a great article uh, uh, up last week about how there's more ships right now off of all the ports. When you look at the ports cumulatively, there's like more ships off the ports than there even was during the craziest crazy times of 2021. I think there was even a ship that went from Shanghai to Cleveland, which I, I don't know when the last time that happened was, um, and so. I, I'm nervous about uh, the capacity of supply chains. I mean, you could see warehousing uh, now has been essentially two years straight uh, negative negative warehousing capacity growth. I'm nervous about all of the inventory that's coming in and is going to be coming in in the next month. Now, I know you know some orders are down on the industrial side and things, but I think it's important for us when we're looking at supply chains to remember there's really two supply chains. We have the upstream side and and the downstream side. Mm. And where we saw the biggest, the biggest differences is, you know, we ask our upstream folks, wholesalers, 3PLs, manufacturers, and then our downstream respondents, which mostly retailers, where do you see this going in the next 12 months? And we had bigger differences in the, uh, the next 12 month split between upstream and downstream than we've ever had before. Essentially, and this is one of the reasons, by the way, I, I love the title of, of this week's episode, Anthony. It's Is it smelling like 2019? <laughs> um, it's a lot like 2019. So not so not this one you guys have up. That's that's current upstream, downstream. You can see there's some differences there. It's it's a purple and green chart uh, for, for the guys in the booth. But it's, it's upstream and downstream, the future predictions. And if you look at the future predictions, and I'll just I'll just read some of these uh, off for you here. So we have a, a 13 point difference in warehousing utilization. Downstream folks thinking we really got to use uh, our available space. We have a 10 point difference in transportation utilization, eight points uh, in the overall LMI, 13 points in transportation prices, um, and, and uh, 10 points in inventory levels. Here's what that tells us. 2019 was so interesting. I don't know if you remember like FedEx when they were doing their 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 annual reports in 2019. And, and it was funny because everyone knew the freight market was down, but like on the parcel side, right, they were, they were you know, it was different than the LTL side. And that's because consumers, and, and I'm going to push back just a little bit on, on something you guys said earlier, consumers stay spending. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, this is America. We are, we, we got credit cards for a reason. We will keep buying stuff. You know, it's not like back to school and the holidays aren't going to happen. And I think that's what we're seeing in our, our future prediction data is people downstream anticipating that we'll continue to have high rates of utilization, high levels of inventory, high costs. And those utilization numbers being so high, by the way, is fascinating to me. It's, it's the highest. If those utilization numbers come true for transportation and warehousing for downstream, it'll be among the highest we've ever seen. And I think it's a combination of there's a lot of consumer demand, but also they have to really tighten the belt. You know, we've had this just out of control growth. It's kind of like the housing market in 2008 was where we're just like, yeah, just you know, put as much money down and everything will just keep going up and up and up foolproof plan. Uh, and and so now that we're starting to see a tightening, now it's, okay, we got to use the space we have. Like Amazon, for instance, saying, 
we're going to double down on some of these really big warehouses we already have going, you know, going up. We're not going to build any more right now. Let's utilize more of what of what we have. Meanwhile, on the upstream side, we see much lower rates of growth, which again is very similar to what we saw in 2019, where there was a real gap between upstream and downstream logistics activity. And, and, and Dr. Zach, I, I'm right there with you. I think uh, consumers are going to keep on spending until really that credit card just says ding, ding, and, and gets declined or really until layoffs happen, until there's not enough job openings to really say, hey, you know what? I don't need a shop. I'll just go to the next one or the next one. So I, I think, like you said, consumers are, if anyone can spend through a recession or into a recession, the U.S. consumer can for sure. But coming up on the last few seconds here, real quick, people want to reach out to you. How can they get involved with the LMI? Yeah. So uh, you can send me a note at, at zach.rogers at colostate.edu. Uh, you can also go to our website, uh, the-lmi.com. Our newest reports go up the first Tuesday of every month. So two days ago, we just we just had one up. And although it always ruins the weekend before, we love putting them up. And, uh, and, <laughs> and uh, we really enjoyed uh, the, the reaction to it. Awesome. Well, Dr. Zach Rogers, been a pleasure. Thank you, as always, for joining us. We'll be sure to follow up with you whenever you are back in the U.S. And thank you all so much for tuning in for this episode of Freightonomics. And thank you to the one and only Tony Moby for joining us for this econ edition. Drink more water, call your mom, save some money.